This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Wow, what a privilege to get to know City on a Hill Clarksdorf, a City on a Hill International. Um, really, I've just learned so much just by hanging around with Gareth. Um, Gareth loves to chat. The introduction becomes a teaching moment. And... Uh, Having a coffee with Gareth becomes a teaching moment, and then driving around town with Gareth becomes an incredible teaching moment. Uh, honestly, because I'm learning from him, I'll tell you what, you have a man and you have a couple who uh, lead the team at this church who know the city because they love the city, and they love the city and they want to know the city. You know, I love my wife, and as I get to know her, I love her, and the more I love her, the more I want to get to know her. And if we love our city, we want to get to know our cities so that we can see where our city's issues are, because we've got the one that we know is the answer to every single issue in the city. And to, to drive around yesterday with you, Gareth, was a delight for me. I, I have learned from you. The next time anybody on Translocal Ministry comes to the Crossing Church in Johannesburg, I'm going to take them for a drive around Joburg um, and pretend that I love Joburg. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I do love Joburg. Jesus, help us. <laughs> but I do because God's called us there. He's determined the times and places where we should live so that men and women can call out to God. And uh, the Crossing Church, it's a privilege for Sharice and I to be the, the lead couple there. We've also got an eldership team of uh, five couples. And um, we're, we're in a kind of similar stage. I, I actually feel like we're growing into where you already are. And so I'm learning from you in so many ways. And yet there's ways, there's things that God's placed within me that I know we can learn from each other. And uh, the beautiful thing is partnership and friendship. No church has been called to do all the great commission on their own. And uh, when we learn from each other in different places, it's so wonderful and so beautiful. And, and for me, it's a, I've been humbled by the hospitality. The, these elders are incredible. Do you know that guy called Bertus? Yeah, hey, uh, me too. My stomach loves him too because every second corner is another biltong and this and that. And then you go to Murdoch's place and then there's steaks that I don't know. They should have cut those things in four, but we had one of those. That's been lacquer. <laughs> this is a lacquer church. I want to say that. Wow, man. Um, your heart to restore people and to touch people and... The way that you do it is beautiful in Jesus. Uh, Jesus loves this place. I'm trying to imagine where he is right now. But I, I'm not trying to be strange. I think he's seated on the throne and he's in our hearts. But I've, I feel like he's in the room. None of us can really understand how amazing he is. He's here now. Jesus. We worship you. Hail King Jesus, we worship you. We bow before you. You're in the room, Lord. With glory and splendor and beauty and yet scars in your hands. You're right here with us right now. Jesus, come and do what you want to do. We want to be aware of you. We're aware of you right now, Holy Spirit.
love you, Lord. worship you. We worship you, Lord. You've invited us into your presence. We bow before you. I don't even want to talk because it feels like I ruined the air that he's, that he, the atmosphere that he's in. But God Almighty, I want to ask you, make yourself so real to every person here. In Jesus' name. Jesus. through the foolishness of preaching, he's chosen to save people. And while as a humble vessel, I'm going to say some things based on his word, but he's going to do something in you, where you're seated, right there. And so allow him to do whatever he needs to do in your heart, right there, right now. Let him touch you. Let him strengthen you. Let him bring courage to you. Wow, Lord, he's here. I don't talk about him like he's not in the room. God. Wow, Lord, are you feeling what I'm feeling? God Almighty. You're preparing us, Lord. Come and do a work in your messengers. Come and do the mission that you are accomplishing. And Lord, show us the method that you use. Father, I'm aware that every time I preach, your son is watching over us. Every time we sit in a church meeting like this, Lord, we're aware that you're right here with us, watching over us. And so thank you, Lord, for calling us to do this. So I ask you to empower me and empower every one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. He's going to continue to do things even while I'm speaking. So let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Jonah. You're doing a series at the moment called Winsome. And Jesus wants to win some people. He's winning your heart now with every, with every beat in your heart. That, that heart has been designed to be captivated by Jesus and His glory and His beauty. Let Him do that. Let Him become so bright in your eyes that everything else fades away. And uh, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to talk about the compassion of God because it's the compassion of God that wins us. No one really has been won by the condemnation of God because it says those who are in Christ have no condemnation. And so we're actually one into that place that he invites us into, a place of freedom. And his compassion is what wins us. And it's the compassion of God 
that won the Ninevites. And we're going to see how God does that. And so, yes, God is preparing you as messengers today. You are his ambassadors. You are his messengers. The messengers is vital to the mission that he's called us to. And then there's a method that he uses. And those are the three things we're going to pick up from Jonah chapter 3 together. Good. So, chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Can someone say second time? Saying, arise, go to Nineveh. You don't have to repeat that now. <laughs> arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. The word actually even used there, great city, is the word Elohim, which is interesting because it's the word used for God and gods. So this, this, this great, potentially godly city. And call out against it in the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose, just like God said, arise, he arose, and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Gee, that was a lot quicker than the first two chapters. <laughs> and now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, put on sackcloth, and from the greatest of them to the least of them. And the word reached the king of Nineveh. Wow, imagine the things that the church does that reaches the government. Just a word, a prophetic word. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. When it speaks about sitting in ashes, the Bible talks about an ash heap. And the ash heap was the place where people relieved themselves and then put ash over it to cover the smell. So the association with ash was an association with the toilet. And so he sat in ashes, and he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. In other words, if we're going to respond to God, it's got to affect every area of all our lives. And let them not feed nor drink. Let, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. This king, know, he knows what he'd asked his people to do. Who knows? God may turn and relent. Some versions even say God may repent, which is interesting. God never repents of sin, but change his mind. From this fierce anger, so that we may not perish. Oh, it makes me think of a certain John 3 verse 16. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he'd said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you for that. Thank you for the disaster that didn't come. 
How much has he protected us from? The waves could have taken us out. First wave, second wave, third wave. But we're alive today. So God is a God of second chances. <laughs> it's amazing to see that God is a God of second chances. This Jonah chapter 3 verse 1 is exactly the same command as Jonah 1. Exactly the same command. But yet Jonah fled from the presence of God. He wanted nothing to do with God. <laughs> he said, I just, he, he, he's like, you've used me once before. The first time we read about Jonah, we find him in two kings. When God wanted to bring a very difficult word to the nation of Israel, and Jonah stood up and he brought the prophetic word that was tough, and nobody believed him. But when it came true, he must have felt like, yeah, who's the prophet now? <laughs> he must have thought, you thought it was going to happen, but I'm, I'm the prophet of the Lord. And so God looks through the earth and he says, okay, well, um, I've got a word I want to send to Nineveh. Maybe I can find a prophet that will send a difficult word. And goes and knocks on, he says, oh, yeah, there, there's that, that Jonah guy. His name means dove. Maybe I can talk to him about a word that needs to come to the people of Nineveh. I used him once before. He was bold, he was courageous, and he saw the faithfulness of God to do the promises. So let's use that prophet again. <laughs> and when the prophet, in his mind, understood what God was wanting to do, he decided that's not good enough. There's no way we're going to the Assyrians. And so he tries to head for Tarshish, which is like going to Party Island in Spain. Like, I'd rather go and sit on the beaches of Spain than take a prophetic word to the people of Syria. And so the presence of God turns into a kind of a shaping, forming, iron, sharpening iron presence over Jonah's life. And then, you know, God controls the sea, and God controls the fish, and God even controls the sailors who are pagan, because God wants to control the prophet. <laughs> but will the prophet, prophet's heart be open to the control of God, or will he try and take it into his own hands? You see, the fish that um, Mally was talking about last week, you know the name of that fish? I've actually done a study and I found out what kind of fish it was. Some people talk about it being like a basking shark or, or some kind of whale or some kind of, you know, just some catfish of some sort. I've actually studied it. And the fish is the sailfish. <laughs> On 23 occasions, while, while Jonah is selfish in the, in the, in the belly... On 23 occasions in that prayer, he says, I, me, my, I, me, my, I, me, my. On 12 occasions, he says, Lord God, you. On one occasion, he talks about idol worshippers. <laughs> the problem with Jonah's heart was selfish. It was all about him. He, concerned, he was concerned doubly as much of himself in the belly than he was half concerned of what God wanted, and he had zero concern for other people whatsoever. I love that prophetic word, that, that, that uh, prophetic word, that prophetic tithes and offerings uh, message. You know, we, we only think about ourselves. You know, imagine we could turn the list around and have 23 things to pray for pagans. 
and 12 things to pray and thank God for what he can do for those pagans. And maybe one thing about us and the role that we need to play in all of this. Maybe 23 things about Jesus, 12 things about others, and one thing about us. <laughs> That's what will get us out of the belly of the selfish. Help us, Lord, not be selfish. My God. And so, suddenly, Jonah is like, <laughs> Gary said something great yesterday, blessed are the flexible, for they won't be broken. <laughs> and Jonah's lack of flexible now. I mean, he's like Play-Doh in the Lord's hands. <laughs> Jonah, yes, Lord. <laughs> Doesn't want to see the inside of that fish again. <laughs> Anything you like, Lord. Will you go to Nineveh? Yes, Lord, no problem. Arise, no, I'm there. <laughs> Love the place, want to go immediately. <laughs> Passport and bags packed and he's got his camera around his thing and his sunglasses on, here we go. But God is patient in bringing his plans to fruition. God doesn't mind sending people around the mountain. It's only 11 days journey from the Red Sea to the Promised Land. God is a man sending a generation around the mountain, 40 years, and handing it to a later generation if he has to. The reality is he's the God of second chances. He's giving you a chance every time you're going around the mountain. And God's saying, will you at this time open your heart? Okay, one more time around the mountain. He's patient. He's been around for a long time, God. <laughs> he's not limited to your lifespan. He's not limited to your bad temper. He's not limited to your uh, microwave oven, thank you very much, or uh, why is the Uber guy taking so long? He's patient. He takes time, but that's why he's the God of second chances. If he said he would use you, he's going to use you. It's up to you how long it takes. God gave Adam a second chance. God gave Noah and his family a second chance. God gave Abraham, after producing an Ishmael, a second chance. God gave Joseph many chances, and his brothers, he gave his brothers a second chance to see Joseph. He gave Moses a second chance from murderer to redeemer. From lawbreaker to lawbringer. He gave Israel, the judges, King David, gave him a second chance. The prodigal son gets a second chance. The sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. Peter gets a second chance. Jonah gets a second chance. I get a second chance. You get a second chance to do what God's asked you to do. Yeah. His mercy and his patience is endless. And he doesn't rush. Lazarus is, in the, is dead, and, and, and he hears about this, and he waits four days. He's not in a hurry, but when he reveals his power, it all makes sense. And God wants to do it again. But let's not delay in responding. It's not because to, God seems to be patient and take time. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day God wants to use you. Today's the day he wants to fulfill. That command that he spoke in chapter 1, he wants to fulfill right now in chapter 3. Your chapter 3 is now. This is the day of salvation. All the promises you've been hearing God speak, they are for right now. 
Now's the time. Now's the time where you've been longing and trusting God for His promises to be revealed, for salvation in your family, for your sons, your daughters, your fathers, your mothers. Now's the time. The deliverance you've been seeking, now's the time. The preparation you've been waiting for, now's the time. This is the time. Should we wait for another pandemic? It's now is the time. Should we wait for another Sunday? Now is the time. Should we wait for another preach? Now is the time. Do you want to, when will we get back to the place of your word, speak to me, God? Now's the time. So, oh, I wish I could do this thing for God, but I first have to do this and this. No, right now. This is a word for us. This is a season for the church of Jesus Christ. This is a season for the church of Clarksdorf of South Africa, for the nations of the world. Now's the time, no matter how old, how young, how insecure or inexperienced. The reality is this. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about you being available and Him being able. Your availability is all that's required. Lord, use His hands. Do you think He can't clean them? Do you think he can't prepare a heart? Do you think he can take Saul and turn him into a different man as the Spirit comes upon him in one minute? <laughs> Now's the time. Now's the time to be available to the things that he has for you. He's waiting, but he's ready. Are you? Maybe you felt like, God, oh, I blew it. I messed up. Well, He tells us to restore those who've fallen. He tells us to restore because he's the restorer. And it's a time for us to get back to all that he intended for us. The prophetic words that have been spoken over you, God's given you another chance. He's going to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? So God won't fail. It's time to get available. Lord Jesus, we are your priests. We are the servants of God. We are the ones who offer ourselves. We are the ones who bring a contribution. Now's the time for that. We release the prophetic. We release our testimonies. We practice hospitality. Now's the time. All that you have can be used for the glory of God. Mark Mark Bailey used to preach very often on that thing of what's in your hand. That was the message he gave to us when he visited us. What's in your hand? Well, that's what he wants to use right now. Change the name of Clarksdorf to Clarksdorf. Because the clock is ticking, and now's the time. Do you know that you are able to evangelize? Just be available to evangelize, and God will make it possible. If you're available to worship, God is able to make your worship something incredible. I felt like we were opening up heaven during the worship today. It felt like I was in heaven, singing with angels, I was having pictures and visions of lions roaring, eagles flying, men and women dancing, oxen walking with horns. These are beautiful things that God made. That's his art style. That's his, that's his, his uh, what's the word, his taste. <laughs> Heaven's going to be an incredible place. And nations worshiping him. Wow. Now's the time to break into heaven and let heaven break out among us. So, <laughs> you see, when God made a command initially, Jonah thought, no, God, you change the command. 
and then uh, if it suits me, I'll do it. But now Jonah's at the place where he says, okay, God, you've commanded, I'll adjust. <laughs> the, the one who does the adjusting is not, God doesn't have to change for us. We change for him. And so Jonah's learned the lesson. He's not going to try and, and try and shoulder charge God. You're going to come off second best. You're going to be swimming. You're going to have seaweed wrapped around your head. <laughs> I loved Mally. You're going to get burped out by a fish. I mean, that's humiliating for the guy. Rather just go with what God wants. <laughs> so make yourself available to the word. Make yourself available to the training. Make yourself available to the presence of God. Make yourself available to worship and to, to prayer. Make yourself available to this community. Make yourself available to people and loving them. Make yourself available to the nations. Make yourself available to Clarkville. So God has prepared a mission, and this is his mission. When he says that word, arise, the, it also means come to fruition. It's interesting. He's saying, he's speaking over Jonah, arise, but it's the same word, come to fruitfulness now. You see, if God says, let there be light, there's light. We do want to be in a position where the minute he speaks, we can respond immediately. Because he spoke over us all, and he said, be fruitful, multiply. Some of you it means disciples, some of you it means children. Be fruitful and multiply, and God is speaking that command over you now. So arise, Clarksdorf. Arise, City on a Hill International. Arise. Come to fruition in the name of Jesus. I declare it over you, fruitfulness over you, over every womb and every womb of the Spirit. Fruition in the name of Jesus. Arise. And may we see God do incredible things. You see, and what is he calling us to? He's asking us to arise to a restoration with him. And those who are restored are restored when they're with him. And those who are restored in him have a task to do, restore others. That's our whole goal. Be restored to him and restore those who are far from him to him. And that's like that thing. We need to open our arms, close our arms. Open our arms to God, close our arms over God, let Him hold on to us. Go again and open our arms to the world and close our arms over them, bring them. And those two things need to be happening all the time. Open your heart to Him and close your arms over Him and hold on to Him with everything you've got. Open your arms to the world and bring them in as much as you can and keep doing all of it every single day. And if you want to do some exercises and if you want to do some, come on, and one and two and three, let us not give up exercising that role to restore people to Him. And he uses all your brokenness. He restores it and then uses you with that testimony in your life to go and restore people in the same nonsense. The same brokenness, the same hurt, the same things that are happening to people all day and the same things that they are doing to others all day. God wants to restore them. Ah, oh, Lord, help us. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 to 21 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making God making his appeal through us. 
we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing? You see sin on the world? Look and see sin on Christ. See righteousness on Christ? See righteousness released for the world to to have freely as a gift by faith in Him. We sometimes only see sin on the world and righteousness on Christ, but He became sin for us so that we can be the righteousness of God. Isn't that incredible? What an exchange. That's the mission. The mission all day, every day, until all sin is eradicated, is for us to bring righteousness to that sin by bringing Christ to those people. And then he takes their sin. That is, the mission is until sin is gone. So if you see there's a little bit of sin around still, guess what? It's in me, in you, all over the place. There's still a mission. There's still a mission impossible. But it's possible because all things are possible with God. And he wants to do this rapidly. You see, the, the vision and the mission is far greater than you and I could ever imagine. And if you think you've reached it, and if you think you've reached your capacity, it ain't over yet. There's still empty chairs all over the place. This building is not big enough. There's 120,000 people, I think, within the, the closer extremity of Clarksville. But there's 500,000 people under the municipal covering of Clarksville. Who need Jesus? This is not a time for us to say, well, this is good. Let's, let's just keep it like that. No, while there's still sin, there's still a mission. Because there's still the love of Jesus. They can still reach so many. So let's not close our eyes. I mean, this is a great city. Clarkstow is a great city. Repeat after me. Clarkstow is a great city. And if it's got 120,000 people who don't know their left hand from their right, well, guess what? You and I have got to go fetch them. You and I have got to reach them. And how quick and powerful is the work of God? Just think about this for a moment. I'm not sure of the time frame, but just imagine this for a moment. Joseph opens the door in Goshen, which is in Egypt, for Israel and the tribes of Israel to come into Goshen. And while there's famine all around the world, one family is brought into a place of safety under a pagan nation. 70 people in all, because it's Joseph, the 12, their wives and kids and their servants, and those that are attached to Israel, 70 people come into Goshen, and 70 people stay in Goshen, and God starts to do a multiplying work with them there. The next Pharaoh that comes forgets all about who Joseph is, but this Pharaoh in one generation realizes that these Israelites are all over the place and enslaves them. And they rapidly grow to the point where as the Israelite women are about to give birth, the Egyptian midwives can't even get there in time. The babies are out already. The rapid and quick growth results in Moses when he takes Israel out of the the, uh, slavery of Egypt. There's a million people. A million people. Men, women, children. Children of people. (laughs) God wants to bring rapid growth to this church. God wants to bring rapid growth in his kingdom. 
And I, honestly, I'm praying for those light bulbs on there. The light bulbs have to go on in here first before the light bulbs go on over there. But when we realize God wants to do rapid things, let there be no load shedding on that thing outside. Amen? Amen? We've got solar power. Let's trust God for incredible, incredible harvest. Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38, the Lord of the harvest. Jesus continued going around to all the towns and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the, of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion because they were distressed and they were dejected like sheep without a shepherd. My God, how many sheep don't have a shepherd? Are we moved with compassion like Jesus is? If we have his heart, Lord, you're in the room. May we have your heart. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And so the method is Romans 1 verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Greek. When Nineveh hear the message of Jonah, they immediately become aware of God. One word that Jonah says, in the name of God, because God told Jonah exactly what to say. And he says, in 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. It wasn't the word that got them repenting. It was the presence of God on the word. Because immediately, everyone in Nineveh is aware of God. Lord Almighty, may we be people who, at simple words, can cause people to become aware of His presence. Holy Spirit, would you anoint our lives and our words? It's just a simple thing that we say. Would make people aware of you. And they become aware of Him. And God starts to do this incredible, incredible thing. The response is phenomenal. Now, if God says in 40 days, what is he doing? He's giving them a chance. He wants to see if there will be any response in the 40 days. He said what he's going to do. He said he's going to destroy. He said there's going to be judgment. But he says in 40 days. So he watches. And in those 40 days, he, he sees, is there going to be a response? Is there going to be faith? Because if there's faith, I've always responded to faith a certain way. But if there's no faith, I'll respond the way I said I would. So he hasn't changed his mind too much. If we believe in him, he is immediate with blessing. <laughs> if we disobey him, he takes time before he challenges it. Isn't it incredible? The compassion of God, the heart of God is amazing for these people of Nineveh. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. For me, the hero in the story is not Jonah. The hero in the story is the king. You see, the king, in everything that he does, represents the king of kings. Because he has a king who suddenly cares for his city. But there's another king who cares for the whole world. And this king, his response is incredible. He arose from his throne. Jesus arose from the throne of heaven. 
He removed his robe. Jesus did not consider his divinity something to be used to his own advantage, but became like a man and lived among us. The king covers himself with sackcloth. Jesus covers himself with our sin on the cross. And by his stripes, he brings healing. The king sat in ashes. We say from dust to dust, from ash to ash, Jesus was considered as useless as ash when he was placed into the tomb. And then the king issues this proclamation for the sake of the people. And we have the proclamation of our king when he's resurrected for the sake of all people. I am alive. I have conquered death. Trust in me and be saved. Yo, what an amazing king. The winsome king responds to the winsome God in the face of an unwinsome Jonah. Because in chapter 4, it reveals his heart that he had no desire for Nineveh to repent. He, was as, he went up the muff tree. <laughs> Just because God is gracious. Would you be winsome? The Ninevites did this. They believed God. Put your faith in Jesus. The Ninevites called a fast. In other words, realize you need nothing except Him alone. The Ninevites put on sackcloth. When you humble yourself and you confess and you realize, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. That's when God responds. All of heaven rejoices when one sinner turns. And from the greatest to the least, it says in the Ninevites did this. When you come to know Jesus, you recognize that no one can boast before God. There's no one that's greater. There's no one that's too far gone. They can't receive the incredible value of salvation. And it says they called out mightily to their God. And Acts tells us all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not call and do. Not call and fix. Not call and try, not call and obey, not call on the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. But then it says they turned from evil, and they turned from their violence in their hands. And there was a fruit that came from their faith, and the repentance started to show in newness of life. So Jesus, my last point is this. You see, the messenger needs the Holy Spirit to do a work in them. You and I are those messengers. The mission of God is something the Father has been working on all the time, restoring people to himself. The method is the king of kings lays down his life for the people he loves, and those who respond have salvation. But then Jesus says something amazing about Jonah. He says this, you see, there's a sign, and Jonah is a sign. In Luke chapter 11, from verse 29 to 32 says this, the crowds were increasing and he began saying, this generation is an evil generation. Jesus says, it demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. On the other account in, in Matthew 16, Jesus says, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth. 
And so Jonah in the fish is a, is a sign pointing to Jesus in the tomb. And the ultimate sign is not that Jonah came out the fish, but that Jesus came out the grave. But there's a greater sign than all of the above. There's no greater sign than Jesus, but there's a great sign. <laughs> it goes on to say this, verse 31. Uh, sorry, verse 30, where was I? Verse 30. For just as Jonah came, uh, became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so also the Son of Man will be a sign to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment. In other words, the Queen of the South is born again and will rise up with all the saved at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear wisdom from Solomon and look, something greater than Solomon is here. And the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching and look, something greater than Jonah is here. What's the sign? An evil generation of Ninevites is already in the cloud of witnesses cheering everyone on that repents of their sins. The Ninevites are already there. They're waiting. God saved them. And Jesus says they're there waiting. Clarksdorp has many Ninevites who need to be there. What a, an amazing sign it is to realize that you and I can be there with Ninevites and every other father of the faith and every other sinner saved by grace because that's the testimony for everybody who's saved by this king let's win some let's win some can I pray for us oh Lord Lord God Jesus Lord Jesus and Master, thank you for the privilege to preach, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've written to us and what you revealed to us by the Spirit. And I thank you that in this room, revelation is coming to many people. And Lord Jesus, in this room, let there be the revelation of the love of Jesus, the compassion of God, to send the King of Kings to sackcloth so that we can be set free. So that we can join the Ninevites in the presence of God and stand up at the judgment. Those who don't have Jesus can't stand at the judgment. Oh God, may we not say like Jonah, how dare you save Ninevites. May we say thank you God that you saved Ninevites. Because an evil generation needs to be saved, to repent, to put their eyes and their faith on Jesus. Lord, I want to pray for everyone here, Lord. That we would surrender ourselves. Maybe if that is you, surrendering yourselves just by standing and, and just offering your hands to the Lord who's in the room. He's right here right now. If God can use creation for His purposes, if God can use storms for His purposes, if God can use fish for
for His purposes. If God can cause cattle to repent, <laughs> if God can use the sun and the plants and a worm in Jonah 4, and if God can do that, God can use pandemics, and God can use wars, and God can use economics and politics, and God can use it all. If God can use pagan sailors for His purposes, the question is, can God use you? Of course He can. He is able. Are you available? I want to ask you, Jesus, that you have baptized people afresh in your Holy Spirit. You just begin to pour your spirit into people right now. Just be, be filled with the Spirit of God. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and refresh us and revive us and, and grant us the power to witness for the forgiveness of the sins of all nations. I want to pray, Lord, if there's anyone in here that's felt like, blew it. I took my chance and I ruined it. The Lord says to you today, I'm giving you another chance, my son. I'm giving you another chance, my girl. I used you the first time, I can use you again. I changed you the first time, I can change you again. Maybe you're thirsty for more of the presence and the power of God. I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, would you touch people and revive people? Arise, city on a hill, international. Arise, come forth, be fruitful. You already are, and you will be even more so. Lord, I want to declare this place will double and God's going to give, some of the, give you some of the places where you were before and is going to give those places a second chance because he's going to send some of you back to those places to see the kingdom of God advance there again. Some of you are going to go to places never been before. God's going to give people there who need a chance. The presence and the power of his lovely word and his lovely presence. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.